The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Thank you all for downloading episode 109 of our humble little podcast. I am feeling good that I am speaking with you, my dear indie content creators, you creators of beautiful things. I am excited for this week, but... I gotta be honest with you, my excitement is sort of tempered. It is an excitement that I have despite the fact that I am also crushed because my dear Miami Hurricanes, my alma mater, my wife's alma mater, the dominating football force that is the Miami Hurricanes lost this week. Last few weeks on the podcast, I've been so excited talking about how they've been getting win after win after win after win, and we've had this wonderful undefeated season. We were on a bullet train to the national title, and this week, I don't have the good news to report. We have suffered our first loss of the season, and it was a particularly embarrassing one as we lost by 10 points to the University of Pittsburgh. Not a great football team. For any of you out there who attend the University of Pittsburgh, I'm sorry to tell you that, but you know, congratulations on your victory. And uh, you got bragging rights over us, man, because we just lost. And as a UM football fan, as an alum of the School of Business, it is a tough day for me. It's been a brutal 48, 72 hours, however long it's been. I'm just crushed. I'm so sad. It is just, it is hard for me. I mean, we still have a outside shot, an outside straight draw, if you will, for the national title, but you know, we're going to need a lot of things to go right. And man, it's just so, it's just crushing. I mean, I just, it's been so much fun the last few weeks and now I'm just crushed, but my happiness is immediately brought back up because I know we have such a fun show this week. We have so much great stuff going on. So how about, how about this? How about we put the game aside, we get in the right mindset, I'm going to go through the housekeeping, I'm going to tell you who our guest is, we're going to go through our topic this week, and it's going to be fun. So, rate, review, and subscribe to the Break the Business podcast on our four platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. We really, really benefit from these things. If, you ha- if you've been enjoying this podcast, if you love what we do, go on those platforms. Take five minutes, take two minutes Throw us some positive ratings on those platforms. Help us get this podcast out there so that we can help more indie artists like you so that we can spread the message of how great you as indie musicians are and how great this new music industry is and how great it can be. And you can do that by uh, throwing us some ratings, sending us some nice reviews, and subscribing to our podcast on the iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher platforms. You can reach out to the Break the Business podcast by emailing us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. That's breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can send us show questions. If there's a question about your music career or about indie music or the industry that you want us to answer, if there are some show topics you want to propose for us to talk about, either in the music industry world 
or the pop culture world. We love talking about pop culture around here. That's absolutely our bag. Or if you just want to send us some show criticism, which I'm sure either positively or negatively is certainly warranted, you can do all that at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. I answer every email that is sent to me. You can ask anybody. If you took the time to write to me, you better believe I'm going to write you back. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. I love talking to people on Twitter. Uh, that my Twitter account is sort of the home base for the podcast on social media. That's where you find out the latest with the podcast. That's at Ryan K A I R. You can like it. like the break the business podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash break the business. My book is out break the business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. And it is available at paperback ebook and audiobook. It is narrated by yours truly. Hey, I hope you enjoy it. Our guest this week. Ooh, I'm excited, 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 excited to talk to Matt Langston. He is the lead singer for the band 117. If you don't know who 117 is, you got to get to know these guys. First of all, if I'm making a power rankings of cool band names, 117 is up there. That is a fun name to say. It is clever. It it rolls off the tongue so well, 117. It's got a lot of la 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 sounds in there that just it's just it's just fun to say. I love Band names that are just onomatopoetically pleasing, and 117 gives that to you. But aside from the, how cool their band name is, there's a lot to like about Matt, and there's a lot to like about 117. And so I'm excited to talk to Matt here. First of all, 117's music is cool and fun. There's a lot to like about that. Uh, there, you know, it's just if you love just fun pop punk. You know, not punk that takes itself too seriously, that gets way too emotional, and you're like, man, I'm just trying to have a good time, punk music, geez. No, but just like fun pop punk music, 117 is the band for you. And they've been making music for like 15 years now. And really, is there any better feeling that when you when you discover a new band or artist and you're like, oh my God, I love these guys, or I love this artist, and then you look them up and they already have like five more albums for you to enjoy, that's always the best. And that's what 117 gives you. They have so much great music that's already out, and they now have a new album out called Rad Science, which you should totally check out. Uh, he's It's, it's going to be great. Uh, another thing to like about Matt is that he's going to have some great tips for us to talk uh, to share with you in the next segment. There are some things that he does really well that I'm going to ask him about that I am confident are going to give rise to some great info for you, the indie artist. First of all, he's got this podcast called 11D Life. It is a official podcast for his band. The band talks about the stories about the band and, you know, talks about their life in music. And, oh my God, artist podcasting. What a great idea. This is, this is something that more of you should really consider doing as indie artists. I think this is just fabulous. I want to encourage you, the indie artist, to set up your own artist podcast because there's it just has so many benefits. I mean, if you were to create your own podcast, it gives your fans a window into your life and career. Uh, you know, in the age of social media, it is more important than ever for you to give your fans access not just to your life as a performer, but to your day to day life. Your fans don't just want to see you on stage, although they do want to see you on stage, but they want to see your normal life. They want to see your ups and downs. They want to know what your favorite food is. They want to know your favorite brand of shampoo. They want that kind of inside access because that's what social media can give them. And podcasting is another great way to give your fans that window into your life and career. It is a constant uh, 
recurring window that your fans get when you have a podcast. So that's one great reason to have a podcast and uh, you might want to consider it. Two, having a podcast builds your fan community. Community is everything in the new music industry. This isn't the old industry where you have millions of fans and each fan pays $10 to buy your album. It's, it's, it's not like that anymore. It's all about having a smaller group of fans, but that fan base is rabid in their devotion. You don't need millions of fans. You can get away with thousands of fans, but those fans have to love you with the fiery passion of a thousand sons. And you, you know, they're not just buying your album for $10. They're buying your album for $10, and they're supporting your crowdfunding campaigns, and they're your ambassador on social media, and they're willing to be your virtual street team or your actual street team. They're willing to buy your merchandise. They're willing to just support you in every way possible. Those are the kind of fans you need to pay the rent in the new music industry. And how do you get those fans? By building a community, by building that tribe, and a podcast is a great way to build that community. Another great thing that podcasting does, and uh, another reason why you might want to consider creating an artist podcast like Eleven D Seven and Matt Langston have done, is it gives you a steady stream of content. In the new music business, content is king. It has never been easier or cheaper in the new music industry to make, to create, to promote, and to distribute your own content. All these things used to cost a lot of money. Now they're basically free. And that's a good thing, but the flip side of it is that now your fans have a greater expectation to get more and more content from you. It's not enough anymore to just put out an album every two or three years and then your fans don't hear from you again until the next album comes out. No, no, no. Your fans need to hear from you constantly, and that means putting out a constant stream of content. That content doesn't all just have to be music, by the way. You don't have to put out an album every month. That could be a lot of work, but... You need other forms of content so that your fans don't have a chance to forget about you. And in that vein, podcasting is a great way to put out constant content. You can create a new episode each week. It's cheap. Most of you are already making content, uh, already making your own albums in your own home studios anyway. And you can use all that same equipment that you're using to make your albums to do a podcast. I mean, and even if you don't have the equipment... The equipment for making a podcast is cheaper than it's ever been. You can create a really decent podcast studio for just an incomprehensible low amount of money. I'm talking about less than a hundred bucks and you can have everything you need to make a great podcast that sounds basically as good as what you hear you know, on some of the top podcasts around right now. So there's a lot to gain from doing a podcast as an indie artist and you should give it a shot, but I can understand if you want to learn more about it and learn more about and, and get more firsthand experience from an artist on how to create a podcast. And that's why we're going to have Matt Langston on in the next segment to talk to us about his experience on the 11 Life podcast, which you can check out at 117isalive.com. That is his website. Matt is also going to talk to us about crowdfunding. This guy knows crowdfunding. The 117 album, Rad Science, that just came out was the product of a successful Kickstarter campaign in which the band raised over $17,000 from their fans. So this guy knows a thing or two about crowdfunding. He's going to have some great tips for you. So we're going to talk to Matt about his crowdfunding experience. We're going to get some tips from him on what he did to make that campaign so successful. And we're going to learn along the way. So Matt Langston's coming up. He's going to be great. There's a lot to like. He's a great artist. 
And he's in a great band that's fun and interesting and they have great music. He's great at podcasting. He's great at crowdfunding. And just when we thought we didn't have any more reasons to love Matt Langston, he's giving us one more reason because his band, Eleven D Seven, is going to donate a copy of the Rad Science album in vinyl to our Break the Business Seven Note Song Contest prize pack. So, very cool. Thank you so much, Eleven D Seven. You have given us yet another great addition to what is becoming a pretty cool seven note song contest prize pack. Let me talk a little bit about that song contest before we get into our topics for this week and before we bring in Matt Langston to talk a little bit more about all the cool stuff he's up to. Um, So for those of you who aren't familiar with the song contest that I'm talking about, I'm going to talk about it briefly. I know some of you are probably sick of hearing about the song contest because we've been bringing it up every week on the podcast, but I'm trying to get a groundswell here. I'm trying to get you guys excited about this song contest because it's going to create so many benefits for you. So here's what's happening. Serge Tonkin, he's the lead singer of System of a Down, and he created a song contest that has only two rules. The first rule is your song has to be three minutes or less, and the second rule is your song has to start with a specific sequence of seven notes. And if you want to know what those seven notes are, you go to SergeTonkinChallenge.com. That's S-E-R-J. T-A-N-K-I-A-N challenge.com and you can get what the seven notes are and then to enter his contest you have to submit your song to that website by December 15th. If you win the contest you get a pretty sweet prize. It is a $5,000 cash prize. My goodness in this industry you can do so much with $5,000. That is a nice chunk of change for you the indie artist and so I know my listeners and I know how talented you are. I hear you guys sending me music all the time. You guys love to send me music and say, hey, uh, give this a listen. Tell me what you think, which I find very flattering and a little interesting because, look, I'm not as talented as you guys are. I'm no expert in the world of creating music. So the fact that you think of me as some kind of authority for judging your music is downright flattering. But that being said, the stuff you've sent me is so good. I love listening to your music. And I know firsthand now how freaking talented you guys are. And I absolutely think somebody from this podcast can win that $5,000 grand prize. And so to further motivate you to win that grand prize, the Break the Business podcast has created its own mini seven-note song contest uh, with just our members of the podcast community, with just you, our podcast listeners. And uh, it's going to be all the same rules as the Surge Tonkin Challenge. Three minutes, it's going to be the same seven notes that you have to start with as the Surge Tonkin Challenge. And if you win our song contest, by the way, if you want to enter our contest, you got to send your song to breakthebusiness at gmail.com by December 8th. That is one week before the December 15th deadline for the Sirs Tonkin Challenge. You send your song to breakthebusiness at gmail.com. If you enter our contest, we have our own set of prizes for you. Uh, to further incentivize you to win our contest. A bunch of our former podcast guests, a lot of fantastic music business people and musicians have donated some great merchandise to make this a pretty cool prize pack. Here's what you can win, all right? If you win the Break the Business 7-Note Song Contest by entering your song and winning, and again, you got to enter BreakTheBusiness at gmail.com by December 8th, you'll win a copy of Ari Hurston's awesome book, How to Make It in the New Music Business, You get a music and merchandise pack from Mary Amber, great musician from Australia. You get a copy of Ariel Hyatt, PR agent extraordinaire's awesome book on crowdfunding Crowdstart. You get Suzanne Polinski's The Rockstar Advocates Rockstar Life Planner and six of her eBooks. 
You get an album from DJ Spruik. You get the new album from Verity White. Um, you also get a uh, ebook from Music Business Toolbox guest Brian Calhoun, who donated that last week. And you get a feature in IndieBandGuru.com. They're going to give you their own feature in their website, give you some nice pub. From me, you're going to get a copy of the Break the Business book and an hour of free one-on-one consulting services. I don't normally give consulting services. This isn't something I sell. It's really rare. But we're going to have a one-on-one talk and talk about how we can move your career forward. And um, you're going to get all those prizes. And now, in addition to all that great stuff, if you win the Break the Business 7-Note Song Contest... You're also going to win a copy of the 117 album Rad Science, which was just donated to the prize pack. So you got to go for this. If this is something you're thinking about doing, but you're on the fence, I'm not sure. Just do it. Just go for it. Um, Even if you don't win, it's going to be an artistically enriching experience for you. It's going to teach you a lot about writing songs under time pressure. And look, you know, we don't have a huge podcasting community. I like our numbers, but, you know, we're not... You know, we're not like an NPR podcast or anything like that. If you enter, you have a pretty decent chance of winning just by taking the time to write a song. So go for it. Take a shot. This business is all about taking risks, putting yourself out there and going for the gold. So make it happen. Before we bring in Matt Langston, I want to do the music jerk of the week because I got a great music jerk for us this week. And now it's time for Ryan's Music Jerk of the Week. Oh, you are just the worst type of person. On the Break the Business Podcast. We haven't done Music Jerk of the Week in a while here on the podcast. It's been at least a month or so, but we have ourselves quite the Music Jerk this week, and so it warrants us dusting this delightful segment off and talking about the pinnacle of music jerkitude. Our music jerk this week is the Federal Communications Commission. So on Tuesday of this past week, the FCC has announced their plan to roll back the existing net neutrality rules. Uh, So basically what, what currently exists now is that Net neutrality regulations prevent internet service providers like Comcast and AT&T and all those other companies that may charge you way too much for pretty mediocre service. It prevents those companies from prioritizing or blocking subweb traffic, some web traffic over others. Um, Right now, that's you can't do that. The FCC rules as they stand now require broadband providers to treat all web traffic, whether it's from a big company or a little small website, equally. You can't speed up some, you can't slow down others. But right now, the FCC has a vote scheduled for December 14th in which there is a high likelihood that the FCC is going to dismantle those net neutrality regulations. And I know what you're thinking, man, that kind of sounds crummy, but why does that specifically make them music jerks? Why is this level of jerkitude warrant being the music jerk of the week. Well, as an indie artist, you might not be aware of this, but everything that you do as a content creator, everything that you are achieving today in the new music industry as an independent artist entrepreneur, it's all built on a foundation of net neutrality. You are able to do what you're doing as an indie artist Because everything that you're creating gets to be on the same playing field as the things that are being created by the big media companies. Whether you're an indie artist or you're an artist signed to a major label, everybody sells their material to consumers on the same internet. 
And that internet is a level playing field right now, but it might not be if these new policies get enacted. Let me take you back about 20 years ago. Let's hop in our time machine here for a second. Before the internet emerged into what we know it to be today and changed the music industry forever, the playing field wasn't level. The primary way that musicians reached the public back then was not through the internet, but it was through radio. And radio was an inherently unlevel playing field. There were a limited number of radio stations, and those limited number of stations were concentrated in the hands of a few big companies. And this meant that you, as an indie artist, could not get access to a world of consumers. You couldn't get to these consumers unless you had major label backing, because the major labels were the only ones who had the resources to get artists on the radio. And so 20 years ago, indie artists weren't flourishing the way they can today because back then the playing field wasn't level. And so what those radio days teach us is that indie artists can't thrive unless they get the same level of access to their fans that the big content creators do. And net neutrality guarantees that on the internet. Because of net neutrality, an internet service provider cannot sell faster access to the websites of big companies and then slow down access for smaller websites. For example, they can't allow a major media company to pay for faster access speeds that would allow them to have a more responsive website than, say, your artist website or your Bandcamp page. Net neutrality would also prevent an internet service provider from slowing down a platform like YouTube. And that's a big deal because YouTube is the primary means that most indie content creators get their material to their fans. If the ISPs can slow down YouTube, which they really want to do because it uses up a lot of bandwidth, that's a platform that, I mean, that, that hurts you because that's your way of getting your music to your fans. And that's why this FCC proposal, in addition to being the pinnacle of music jerkitude, is so problematic. Because it would effectively take us to those old days of radio. The old days where the big media companies can get more access to consumers by paying for it and then shutting out the indie creators. And if, we, and if this happens, that means less opportunities for you. And for society, it means less creative work getting made because the indie creators are shut out. Believe me, if labels like Sony and Universal had the chance to pay more to give their content priority over your content on the internet, don't you think they would do it in a second? And if ISPs had the ability to do that for Sony and Universal and charge them for it, don't you think they would do it? They absolutely would, but they can't because the law protects against that. And that's why net neutrality has to be protected. And you know what? Probably the thing about this FCC plan that's the most jerky is that the people don't even want this. There isn't a massive public groundswell for getting rid of net neutrality. There isn't a critical mass of people that are banging down the FCC's door, begging for them to take this action. In fact, it's just the opposite. People don't want this. According to an Ipsos poll, 
76% of Americans support net neutrality, 76%. And this is across the ideological spectrum. 81% of Democrats support net neutrality. 73% of Republicans support net neutrality. 76%? You can't get 76% of Americans to agree on anything. For God's sake, only 71% of Americans agree with child labor laws. I mean, that would mean that more Americans would rather have free internet than free children. And yet the FCC is going to try to vote to get rid of net neutrality next month. Why? Why, if this is not what the people want? And of course, the answer is because a majority of the FCC commissioners have deep connections to the telecom industry. But all the more reason why the FCC, you guys are the music jerks of the week. And you need to be stopped. So artists, if you're listening... It's time to look out for your pocketbook. We've talked about this on the podcast before. One of the great things about the new music industry is that you're the boss. You get to be the boss. You are the captain of the ship. You get the last dollar. You get the profits. But the other side of that coin is that the buck stops with you. You're the boss, which means you have to fight for better policies for your industry. You have to fight for better policies for your business in the FCC and the telecom industry is coming after your livelihood. And you as a business owner have to take the initiative to try to stop them. And there are ways that you can do this. You should write to the FCC at FCC.gov. But I wouldn't stop there. You should write to your members of Congress as well. Because the FCC is making decisions administratively, which means, in theory, Congress at any time could pass a law protecting net neutrality and stop the FCC at what they're doing. But... They're not going to do that unless you make your voices heard. And so you got to look out for your business here and you got to fight for a level playing field on the internet because that's where your fans are. All right, Matt Langston of 117 coming up next on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. He is the lead vocalist for the pop punk band 117, who have released five albums and four EPs since their founding in 2002. He is also the co-host of 110 Life, the official podcast for 117. The band's latest album, Rad Science, is available now and was funded with a successful Kickstarter campaign that raised over $17,000. You can find out more about the band by visiting 117islalive.com. Ladies and gentlemen, and Matt Langston of 117 is on the Break the Business podcast. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brian. It's awesome to be here. This oh, is great. I'll tell you what's awesome. It is awesome to have 117 in our lives again. You guys started your band back in 2002, but y'all broken up three years ago, but now you're back again. You've reunited. It feels so good. You put out a new album. What, what brought you all back together to put more awesome music into our lives? I, I think just general boredom, maybe, <laughs> maybe a good way to answer that. Um, it, I mean, 
is I, I you probably interviewed a ton of bands on this podcast, and I doubt that you've run into any one of them that are like, "Hey, being in a, in a band is really simple, and it's not emotionally complicated." <laughs> <laughs> and and everybody gets along really well, and it's super cool to navigate the music industry because it's so easy to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, I think I think honestly, we just needed a break, and we needed to kind of pursue lives as adults and to acclimate to what that was. You know, like all all of us got married, um, and we just needed a minute to kind of reacclimate to what life was asking of us because being in a band is such a hyper reality. It, you know, it's it's such a, a different way of doing life than than what the average person does life, as as you probably understand. Certainly, has being together this long with your band and gone through all the highs and lows of you know being together with musicians for fifteen years has it instilled with you guys any? special tips or tricks with conflict resolution what do you guys do when things get really heated i mean i it's funny that you asked that because i almost feel like being in a band prepared me to be married um, <laughs> and made that a little bit easier for me to to handle because it's like you learn so many different ways of like conflict resolution within the band and it's like you know there there's sometimes where it's like okay cool we need to take a minute and there are other times where it's like, we don't have a minute to deal with this conflict. We have to figure it out right now, or, or we need a quick Band-Aid for this, and then we'll we'll pick it up later at the hotel. Um, that Those kinds of things actually were, like, prepared me a whole lot for life as an adult, not just, like, in my marriage, but also, like, in the workplace, because I actually ended up being a professor at a college for a few years, and so... I don't know. It was a really cool like set of tips and tricks for how to be an adult. So you're a college professor. So are, are, does it just make you cooler than your students that you are in a rock band while teaching them? Like, <laughs> no, how does that even work? Sure, like if they even gave a shit whether or not I was in a <laughs> band or not. It's like it's so weird. There's some there's some kids that think it's like the coolest thing ever, and there are other people that are like, oh wow. Okay, so I'm supposed to be impressed by what you've done, and I'm like, well, no, not really. I mean, just <laughs> I'm just here to teach you what I know. That that's really it. But yeah, so. <laughs> well, um, I'm glad you guys, you know, are together and you are making music. And not only are you making music, but you're podcasting together too. You guys have started a official band podcast for Eleven D Seven called Eleven D Life. You can find that out. Uh, by visiting 117isalive.com. What motivated your bandmates and you to start a podcast, and what sort of things do you talk about on it? Well, I think, um, so uh, uh, about a year ago, uh, my friend Davey and I, who is the bass player in 11D, we had both kind of decided, you know what, hell or high water, we really want to make a new 11D record because we feel like we spent years of our lives developing this really cool family of host homes and of fans and of venues and a bunch of people across the world. And we had kind of disconnected from that entirely while we sort of grew up for a few years. And then when we wanted to reconnect with that, we were like, well, how do we, we can't get on the phone with all these people. Like, I wonder if there's like a cool way of just sort of telling everybody all the stuff that we never told them before. <laughs> um, and he, Davey actually came up with the idea of, like, hey, dude, we should do a podcast. And I was like, uh, 
I don't know. Like I was super hesitant about it at first. And the more I thought about it and the more we sort of talked through it, because we always like in the band, we always put everything on the table and we're like, everything deserves a long conversation over a few beers or whatever it takes. But like everybody gets a fair shake. Every idea gets a fair shake. And at the end of it, we kind of came to the end of this podcast idea and we're like, why don't we just try it? Like it's it's low risk, high reward if it does work and it's low risk, no reward if it doesn't. And it's totally fine. But we have a lot of stories and we had been disconnected from like specifically the Christian music industry long enough to where we were like, no, let's just tell everybody what it's like behind the scenes, because it's not like our paychecks are dependent on whether or not we're telling the truth about this anymore. Let's just like tell everybody all the dirty, nasty stuff that went the on. Underbelly the underbelly of Christian music. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, it totally was it, because we had lived it for so many years and we were like, gosh, it would just feel so good to get this out there and to just say, no, this was our experience. And this is why we find it so hard to be a part of the Christian music industry and why we we really don't want to identify as a Christian band anymore. Um, yeah. So oh. so that was kind of the impetus for it. And it led to a whole bunch of really great conversations. Oh, my God. I feel like this conversational track is going to be infinitely more interesting than any of the questions I have written up. All right. I'm going to put a pin in everything else I was going to ask you. <laughs> I need to know about the dark underbelly of Christian music. Well, let me let me phrase it to you this way. OK, what is something about just the world of Christian music and all these Christian bands that people would find most surprising or even shocking? I think that all of them are human and <laughs> that all of them have all of them, e e even Sonic flood, even Amy Grant. Come on. Oh my God. Yes. Like <laughs> all of them have failures. All of them have addictions. All of them have marital and relationship problems and family things that they're working through and like interpersonal band relationships that they're trying to work through. And there's nothing like there's no band in the world that just operates uh, flawlessly. Like everybody's very human. Like it doesn't matter what kind of mask that you put on it. It doesn't matter what set of beliefs that you put on it. Like everybody is still human and they're still struggling and they, they're still trying to figure out how to be with each other and to make music together and how to engage with fans and how to do that in a healthy way and how to avoid doing it in an unhealthy way. Um, and, and I think a lot of the podcast sort of dives into the weirdness of how, you know, like a, a lot of Christian music sort of expects everybody to adhere to a set of rules and standards for for living and like how odd and weird that can be on the road and how many people kind of feign it for, for the sake of a paycheck and how it's really hard to blame those people for <laughs> for man, family. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, complicated. <laughs> <clears throat> this is this is particularly shocking to me. All right, because I I did the youth group life growing up, you know, like like any thirteen year old boy, like that's where all the thirteen year old girls hung out. So you had to go to youth group and learn all the Sonic Flood <laughs> songs and all that stuff. And so, like right now, you're just giving me this vision of a bunch of Christian rockers, you know, doing bong hits in between performances of "I Can Sing of Your Love Forever," and it's just. <laughs> And, like, you know, this is just blowing my mind. I can't. <laughs> so are you telling me if we listen to, you know, the 11 D life, we're going to get these kind of stories of what this genre of music is really like. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. It's so weird that you say that. Cause when you're like, 
oh, we're singing, I can sing every love forever, we're taking bong hits in between. I'm like, that's actually closer to the truth. (laughs) 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 Then then everything else is. It's like, oh, but if, if you think that you don't have, like, alcoholism like happening that you don't that you don't have people that are struggling with things or like trying to drown out their own demons or or like within that sect of things it's like they're that i mean i think i think at the end or where we are in the podcast right now because we're in like our third season is that like it's an ongoing conversation you know like we're we're very quick to say like look this was our experience other people have had different experiences we're just kind of trying to be as honest as we can to like our experience within it but you know it's like I, I think we just don't want people to to have this unrealistic expectation of like marrying a musical genre with a specific lifestyle um, <laughs> of of Christianity because it's really really hard to marry those two things together and there's always some really interesting overlap that happens and we love kind of exploiting that <laughs> and exploring do, it. Do you wish Christian music and Christian musicians were more honest and would express their humanity more openly? Oh my god, of course, because I feel like honesty is actually a Christian tenet of faith and of belief. Like I I actually thought that was what I we had all signed up for at the beginning <laughs> was like, Oh, let's really be really honest. And then you, the, the deeper that you dive into it, the more you realize that it's like people value the facade. They value the marketability of something or, um, the, the glaze over the thing itself. than they do the actual truth of what's underneath it. But I feel like the truth can be so freeing if you can be honest about it. Mind blowing. I, I got to subscribe to this podcast is because, yeah, I, I did that. I lived that life, man. So <laughs> this is going to, I feel like this is going to really resonate with me. Um, but you know, you said you're in your third season of this podcast, which means you've gotten a lot of reps on this. So you must have great chemistry. Plus you've been, you know, with your bandmates for a decade and a half. So the stories must be awesome. Uh, based on your experience doing this podcast, do you have any tips for musicians out there who might be considering starting their own shows because I want to encourage more musicians to do podcasting. I mean, we started our podcast as a way of being able to reconnect with our fan base and as a way of being able to have much more long form conversations to answer questions that they had about us and about our band and about our faith or whatever it is that they wanted to talk about. And I think that I had spent so much of our career kind of sheltering myself from all of those conversations or feeling like I didn't have the right answers for them. And then like just went through this period in my life where I was like, no, like what, what could be the worst thing that would happen by me just being honest with everybody and telling them where I am right now? Cause where I am right now is not where I was when I was 15 or where I was when we were like 19 and got signed. Sure. It's like, yeah, like I just want to, I want to not be ashamed and I want for there to not be this, huge wall of, uh, or a facade, like I was mentioning earlier. I don't want there to be a facade. I want people to just say, Hey, if I really want to know what Matt Langston is about, I can just find out. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's like, I don't have to wonder. Um, well, and, that's, yeah, so- and that's one of the great things about being an indie artist is you are allowed to have that level of honesty and candor with your fans because you know, there's yes. no either religious limitations or label limitations that are preventing you from just getting to direct directly communicate with your fans. And in this industry, in this era of music, 
This is what the fans want. They want to be able to know who Matt Langston is as a person. Mm. Um, so as you're putting this podcast together, did you, did you run into, did you have any particular challenges as you were making it or any mistakes that you made that could be valuable lessons for our listeners as they put their own podcast together? Oh gosh. Yeah. Just like everything else that I do in my life, I overthought it. I'm a chronic overthinker. So I'm always like, Oh gosh, well, what, what if so-and-so says this, or, or we say this, or what if we come across this way or what if it doesn't work? Or what if I don't know how to, how to podcast or if everybody else in the podcasting community like looks at my podcast and they're like, Oh gosh, what are these people doing? And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, do it for you. Like you have an idea, like it's what made you an artist in the first place was saying, I think I might have something to say. Let me try it out. It's that it's getting back to that fundamental sort of, you know what? I'm going to write a song. I think I might have something I want to put out into the world. It might be a really simple concept or it might be really cheesy, like being a teenager in love or, you know, writing songs about really dumb shit from time to time. (laughs) But it's like, just do it because that there's something so beautiful about engaging the rest of the world with all of your weirdness and your brokenness and your not having it togetherness that makes it okay for other people to do the same thing. Um, and I need that in my life. And just off the simple fact that I need other people doing that to encourage me to do it makes me want to go out and do it like loudly. (laughs) That's such great advice. If you have something to say, say it, do it. I think one of the greatest pitfalls that podcasters have is they never get the podcast off the ground. They talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and they prepare it and they put it together and they spend so much time assembling it. And episode one never gets made because it's just paralysis by analysis. (laughs) Yes. I love that phrase. Yeah. And well, tell me, tell me actually like what was the, when you started this podcast, what was the biggest like paralyzing concept that you had that that might have actually compromised the making of the podcast? Oh, it's really just that I had and even still do have hundreds of ideas for things I want to do for this podcast. You know, directions I want to take it in, you know, bit ideas that I have or like, you know, this could be a funny recurring thing that we do on the show or or here's some information I want to give. And I, it's just having the discipline to be able to say, let's put those on the back burner. Their time will come, but let's get something done. Let's get something out each week. Let's get consistent content out there and don't just keep talking about the things that we're going to do. Uh, you know, a lot of the, I work with a lot of tech startups and other startups in my legal practice. And one of the, the expressions they like to say is we build the plane as we fly it. You know, you're, yes. you're always putting stuff together. Um, and you don't wait until you're a hundred percent ready to take on an opportunity before you do the opportunity. You wait till you're maybe 70 or 80% ready and then you start and then you'll figure out the rest as you go. And this podcast like yours has, you know, has been out for a while now, but it's still a work in progress. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So like we're in season three of this podcast. We, we, you know, we started it out as a very sort of low pressure talk radio format. Mm-hmm. And we're just now getting to the point where we have, you know, like the next three or four seasons lined up, but we're already wanting to kind of move away from this initial format that we started out as. And it's like, 
we never could have known that that was where we wanted to go if we hadn't have like started the plane and got it in the air and like kind of raised the stakes to some degree. Like I, I love that analogy of building the plane while you're flying it because I think that there's a certain amount of pressure that's really healthy where it's like you start putting things out there and you start getting feedback from people and getting criticism is never, ever a bad thing because <laughs> anybody's criticizing you, it doesn't matter what they're saying, they paid attention. Right. They cared Something enough to reach out to you. about what you're doing made them pay attention and talk shit about you. <laughs> so. Well, and I, I don't know how this is for you, but you know, because podcasts can change and evolve over time and you, know, you get better at it as you put in more reps, do you ever get a little freaked out when people say, oh man, I really like the idea of your podcast. I'm going to go back and start listening at episode one. And you're just like, no, don't do that. <laughs> Not proud of that one. Yes. I mean, I, I feel like that all the time, but I also like working in the music industry, as I'm sure all of your listeners probably can attest to you. They've probably made more than one recording. So it's like, <laughs> even the first record that we put out, I'm like, I would be embarrassed still to have people go back and listen to that. But the one thing that the podcast has kind of reinforced in my mind, and I'm sure like you can probably attest to this as well, is that you just have to open the door and step out of it. Like it's part of your story. Like, yes, I wrote some terrible songs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe you were unfortunate enough to be one of those people that paid money for them and helped them get a career started. Like, I thank you so much for that. It's part of my story. It's part of how I started out and I'm constantly looking to improve it just like anybody in any other profession is constantly getting better at what they're doing. And I hope that that's what I'm doing now. It's what I'm striving for is what I'm trying to do. It's what we're all trying to do. Um, and I think I, I get more excited about inviting people to all the parts of my story. Like here's a really bad part of it yeah. because you might have a really bad part of your story too. And that's totally cool. Oh. So true about many bad parts. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> listeners, if podcasting is something you're thinking of doing as another way to reach out to your fans, to reach out to your community of listeners, if you're thinking about do it, doing it, just do it. Don't, don't think about all the things you have to put together. Don't be afraid to build the plane as you fly it. And, you know, a podcast is always going to be a work in progress. I want to change gears here for you, Matt. And Talk about your latest album, Rad Science, which you were able to fund with a monster Kickstarter campaign. I love it when these Kickstarter campaigns of our guests succeed. You were able to raise over $17,000, which I guess is over $10,000 too, but $17,000 sounds much more <laughs> impressive. Uh, congrats to you and your fans, first of all. And second of all, as you were putting this crowdfunding campaign together, what lessons did you learn based on this crowdfunding experience with Rad Science that you could impart to our listeners? Well, the interesting thing about our crowdfunding campaign is that we didn't sit around and start a crowdfunding campaign to try to get people to fund our record. So like within our career as 117, I had already started producing songs for other people um, as kind of a passion of mine to produce pop music. And so I had started doing that already and it had a lot of records under my belt. And I was like, I... I really want to do this record. So what we did essentially was say, we're going to go ahead and produce this record. And what we're going to do is kind of flip the script and tell all of our fans, Hey, we foot the bill for this record. Like we paid the mix guy, we paid the mastering guy. We understand how 
you know, to some degree how the music business works inside of a label and outside of a label and what a lot of those gaps are. And so we're going to exploit the absolute best and the edges of our knowledge to try to do this as well as we can to not only prove to ourselves that we really care, but also to prove to our fans that like we really take it seriously when we put music out, that it's not like a, well, if you let, if you fund our record, then we'll put new music out. I always hate that sort of mentality where I have bands that I'm really into and then I'll find out that they're doing a crowdfunding campaign and it's like, well, well, if you don't reach your goal, are you still going to make music? Because I'm the kind of person where I'm like, I will put my, I will mortgage my house <laughs> to make the next record that I need to make. And that's how much I believe in it. So what I need to do is be willing to make that initial investment into something that I want to see in the world. And then if you as a fan want to be a part of that, I would love to invite you to come be a part of that. And I feel like that is so much more of an inviting script of like, I've done all the leg lifting. Like I've done all the hard work here. If you want to come be a part of it, then awesome. But I'm going to follow my dream, whether or not you're affirming me in my dream. Well, that's an <laughs> interesting to approach to crowdfunding. I mean, I, I've, I, I will say I, I have seen more and more artists saying, um, with their own crowdfunding campaigns, like we can't afford to wait till we get funded because we often have to have most, at least most of the project done so that we have something to show our fans during the campaign to kind of yeah. incentivize them to, to contribute more. Um, but your, your approach is just as far into that extreme as possible, which is we're going to make this whether we get funding or not, but we'd love for you to be part of this awesome experience we're putting together. And that message resonated with your fans. So not only did it resonate with our fans, but like from a numbers standpoint, it was, this is hands down the biggest release that as far as we can tell that we've ever done now, granted, like we were releasing records, you know, in the late two thousands, uh, early 2000 teens, um, which I think our, our last record that we put out was in 2011, but I even went and kind of researched those numbers again and have been looking at like our Spotify numbers and iTunes numbers and everything. And I can definitively say like, it, it, this is the effort that we put into podcasting and reconnecting with our fan base has been such an amazing difference. Like even when we were, were signed to Sony, I don't remember people responding to the music that we put out in such a way as we've gotten to rad science. And I, I don't know if that's because of the podcast. I don't know if it's because of us just trying to be as as smart and as in, intuitive and innovative as we can be about what we're putting out into the world and how we're trying to engage with fans. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a one size fits all. I think that we have a specific brand that we lean into, which is sort of this terminal optimism brand <laughs> of like, <laughs> hey, like it, no matter who you are, life sucks for you on some level and it can only get better from here. <laughs> But one thing that's true for everybody is we have to keep moving. And I think that we we apply that to the record label that we started to release our music. We apply that to the sessions that we're in that get really hard to to the releases that we that we've released so far and that we're working on even still. Um, I think we just decided that we're going to go for it. And even if it gets boring or it gets weird or it gets hard that we're going to power through it because it's something that we always come back to in life that we're really passionate about 
and podcast, sorry, podcasting has played a huge part in that. Um, yeah. And that's, that's where we are now. And that's where we are today. And just like, you know, and probably your entire audience can attest to like the music industry is constantly changing and all you really have is today. Man. I can't help but think that one of the reasons why this campaign was so successful is just how infectious your message is. Like I, I, you know, I mean, your campaign's over and I kind of want to just continue backing it just because you, you, you make, you make me feel good. You make us, you, you know, you have a, you have a positive message. You're fun to be around. And I feel like you're, you're, uh, that must resonate with your audience. And, and I, and I'm kind of with you on your hypothesis that there's a relationship between the podcast and your crowdfunding campaign, successful crowdfunding campaigns come from building a community and podcasting is great for that. Oh my gosh, you're, you're absolutely right. And that was one of the things that when we started kind of having these band meetings together, we were like, well, what do we really miss? What is it about being in a band that we really <laughs> miss? Because it's certainly not, you know, trying to trying to budget <laughs> or <laughs> trying to figure out how we're going to pay bills or how we're going to put gas in the van or like all these different things that can bog you down so quickly. It was like, we we were able to cultivate this entire like an entire nation an entire world's worth of fans that we just love being able to connect with and share in their lives with i mean there were fans that we like they would just email us randomly and be like hey guess what you know like i'm in color guard and we're going to state this year oh <laughs> or like well, i i play trumpet in my school band and like our, I worked up a version of your song and the rest of our band really liked it. And it's like, oh my gosh, wait, there's nothing that we've done in life that deserves that you, those kinds of gestures from other people. And it's those sort of community building exercises and the, those sort of stories that you're like, gosh, that's what makes me feel so connected to the world and to other people and to other, other avenues of positivity and I can't just give that up. I can't just walk away from that. We have to keep making more music so that we have an excuse to connect with the world. You guys are really j making the most of the best things about being an indie artist. This is so exciting. I would love to share with the listeners now the fruits of this awesome Kickstarter campaign you guys did. We're going to play something off Rad Science right now. The song is called Microchip, and here it comes on the Break the Business podcast.
off of their latest album, Rad Science. That was Microchip by 117. We got our dear, dear friend Matt Langston here on the Break the Business podcast. Matt, thank you so much for letting us play that. Yeah, thank you for thank you for exposing everyone to it. <laughs> oh, so so great. Uh, before we let you go, Matt, a couple more questions. Um, first of all, I, I imagine people want to now be a part of any community that you're in. We, we want to get more. Uh, well, gosh, what do you call your your sort of eleven d seven fan army? Do you have some kind of nickname for them? I mean, like we had, so there's like our, our street team is called the 11D elite force, which they named themselves. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And they're really, really fun and very inviting to be around, but we kind of just like, we sort of coin everybody that's into our music or that wants to engage with us online as part of our, they're either 11D fans or 11D family is a terminology that we actually like a lot more because we've seen so many people that are like, Oh, I'm really into 11D seven. And we've been blown away by how many people will reach out to them on the internet and follow them and message them and be like, Oh my God, I got into 117 and literally our band just becomes an excuse for them to strike up a conversation. And most (laughs) of the time they're pretty nerdy (laughs) kind of like we are. That's uh, awesome. (laughs) And so we want to add to the 110 fans of the 110 or dare I say the 110 elite force. So how can people Talk with you, find out, uh, look you up on social media. Um, they can go to facebook.com slash 117 official um, and and connect with us there. Like, uh, obviously, most of our fans are always connecting on Facebook and all of their social media sort of happens there. Um, you can check us out on the internet at 117isalive.com and get instant access to our podcast and to all of our music and all of our Spotify playlists and all the things that we're curating there. Yeah. So cool. Matt, before we let you go, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners to help them move their careers forward? <laughs> if, if you think that you might want a career in music, um, get ready to embrace failure with everything <laughs> that you possibly can. <laughs> um, but just don't, just don't stop. I mean, there were, there were so many times in my life or in my career where if I had just closed up shop, um, I, I would be looking back now, you know, as somebody who's been in this for gosh, over a decade of writing songs and, and trying to get better at songwriting and producing and at connecting with people. And I would just encourage you that if you have the gumption or you have the will to keep going, um, just do it. Even on the days where you feel like, gosh, I'd rather just be sitting in bed, drinking a PBR and watching Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Get through one Harry Potter, but then get out of bed and go write a song, go put down the (laughs) dumbest idea you can think of, or go, go just record your thoughts and throw whatever your first episode of a podcast is going to be out there and just see what happens and learn from it. And don't ever, ever under any circumstances, take any of the criticism, sorry, criticism that happens to you personally, just keep moving forward and know that everybody, everybody is only giving you criticism because they want to see something better and they know that you're capable of it. So you put a smile on all our faces, Matt, please don't be a stranger. Okay. (laughs) We want to have you on the again on the podcast real soon. This has been such a treat. Awesome. I love it, Ryan. Thank you so much. All right. We'll be right back on the break the business podcast. 
Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, available on Amazon.com. Ryan, tell the folks a little about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Matt Langston of 117 for joining us in the previous segment. Be sure to visit 117isalive.com to get yourself a copy of their latest album, Rad Science. We just heard Microchip. That song was so awesome. And while you're at the website checking out Rad Science, be sure to also check out their podcast, the 110 Life Podcast. It's so awesome. You get like a nice insider's view into what's going on you get all their best stories and as you heard from the podcast in the previous segment dude's got some good stories so check him out throw him some support because he's he's just a cool dude he's a nice guy 117 is awesome we are fans of him here at the podcast all right before i let you guys go this week i wanted to share one last thing with you just a nice story that i think is going to put us all in the right mindset and uh just put a smile on our face and motivate us to keep creating good stuff. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about friend of the podcast, DJ Spruik. Over the last few weeks, we've been really closely following his crowdfunding campaign because he's a friend of our podcast. And, uh, we, we've been really interested in seeing how his Kickstarter is going to turn out. He's been, he's been a guest on our show a few times. He's really talented artist and, He's, he's been so good to this podcast because he's so knowledgeable and he's shared so much great insight with our listeners in the past. As you know, if you're any kind of fan of this podcast, we end every single guest interview with the question, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? I always throw that question at the end because I want to give the guest one last opportunity to just share a random nugget of knowledge that they think they know really well and want to share with you, the listener. And Spruik is probably the best at that question because every time I give him that question when he's on the show, he just machine guns a daisy chain of one piece of great advice after another. He just just does an info dump on us and gives us so much great, fantastic insight and... And so we love him. And so we love having him on the podcast. And he's become a friend of the show. And recently, Spruik has been running a crowdfunding campaign for his latest album, Pieces, A Thousand Albums at the End of America. We've talked about this project before on the podcast. And before I let you go this week, I wanted you to get an update on how the project was going, because I think this is important for you all to hear. The first thing you need to know about Pieces is that this was an ambitious album project. If you don't remember, in the in the project, he's telling a narrative story about a post-apocalyptic future. He uses ambient music in the narrative, and in the narrative, he disperses all the elements of the story across a bunch of unique albums that are distributed to the Kickstarter backers. So every backer gets a completely unique album with a tiny piece of the story, and then all the listeners have to work together as a community to assemble the story and figure out what happened in the story. It's like solving a mystery. Really cool idea. It's never really been done before. And I love people who are willing to try new things and take risks. So I loved this project. It resonated with me. And I'm a big fan of everything that Spruik does because these projects are always interesting and different. And so I lended my support to this project. I even did some voiceover work for it. 
And it was an ambitious project, as I said before, but it was also kind of unusual. And I think Spruik will be the first to admit that it was an unusual project. And so throughout the campaign, he was worried that the album wasn't going to get funded. And I think that's something that any person who's running a Kickstarter campaign will understand. You're always feeling a lot of anxiety during that 30-day clock. Because again, if you don't hit your funding goal, you don't get any of the money. And so it's it's really, really intense. And it's really, really nerve-wracking for you to run a Kickstarter campaign. But we wanted this to succeed. We promoted this project hard on the podcast. I even asked all of you listeners to lend your support and consider backing this project on Kickstarter because it's a cool idea and Spruik's a friend of ours. He's a friend of our podcast community, and he's done so much for us by coming on the show so many times, sharing so many great tips with us. So he's our friend, and we wanted our friend to win, but I understood that it was going to be a tough sell, that this was an ambitious kind of different project, and I wasn't sure if it was going to get funded. So how did our friend do? How did our friend of the podcast fare in his Kickstarter? Well, I mean, things were really tight. Uh, with less than a day left, he had still not achieved full funding. And then, amazingly, with time running out, Spruik did it. With, with just a few grains of sand less, left in the hourglass, Spruik funded his project pieces. So it's going to get made. And I have all of you to thank for that, because I know some of you listeners answered our call and contributed to the project. You supported a friend of the show because I saw your emails of support saying, hey, yeah, yeah I threw I, I love Spruik's idea. I kicked in some money. And so thank you so much. Way to make it happen, guys. Way to throw your support behind a member of our podcast community, a friend of the show. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So look, I'm in a good mood right now, notwithstanding the fact that my hurricanes got their butts kicked a few days ago. I'm still in a good mood because I'm happy knowing that his project's going to get made. And perhaps the biggest reason why I'm happy about this, why I'm happy for Spruik's success, is actually kind of a selfish reason. It's sort of a personal reason to me. But I've worked in the music industry for a number of years. And I've been an observer of the music industry for longer than that. I've seen the way this industry works, and I've become all too familiar with the natural order of things. And all too often, the natural order of things in the music industry is for the good guys to get creamed. I've seen it happen time and time again. The good guys in this industry don't win as much as they should. The good people, the creators, the artists, the ones for whom this industry wouldn't exist without their contributions, they so often lose to the people who are not the creators, the business people, the, the people that are so often predators on the artists. They win too much. And one of the reasons why I got into entertainment law and specifically worked on the artist side is because I wanted to help the good guys win just a little bit more often. One of the reasons why I do this podcast is so I can give you, the good guys, more advice and help the good guys win just a little more often. And so... Watching Spruik get funding for this unusual project, for this ambitious project, to see him get what he wants, that feels good to me because I love seeing the good guys win. And we should all love seeing the good guys win because we're all the good guys. And so I feel great for Spruik. And I also feel great for all of us because what I think this experience has showed us is that if interesting 
ambitious and dare I say unusual projects like his can get support in the music industry, then there is no limit on what any of us can do. A good guy won this week. And that gives me confidence that all of you good guys listening out there, you're going to get wins too. And let me say this, if any of you have gotten wins this week as an artist, or you get wins any week, if anything good happens in your music career, whether it's big, whether it's small, let us know. Because I want to share that win with the community. I want us all to be able to enjoy your win. We're a community, and that means we want to support each other together. And we want to celebrate your wins as a community. So when you get a win... Let me know what that win was. Send the email to breakthebusiness at gmail.com or let me know on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R and let me know about your win. Share your win with me so that I can share with all the listeners because, hey, we could all use the motivation. Our thanks to Matt Langston of 117 for joining us this week and my thanks as always to all of you for listening to the Break the Business podcast. We will see you next time.